Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. Um, but today I want to look at a passage in Matthew um, chapter 17, Matthew uh, 16, actually, Matthew chapter 16. And I want to look at one of the iconic moments in Peter's life where, where he has uh, just a profound understanding, a profound moment, I guess you could say, of understanding revelation of who Jesus is. And, and it happens in, starts in verse 13 says that when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, which, by the way, Caesarea Philippi is, is interesting because both in both texts where this story is told, it always mentions the fact that Jesus was in Caesarea Philippi when, he, when, when this conversation went down. And so scholars are kind of trying to figure out why that's important. One thing that's interesting is Caesarea Philippi um, had in it a, a massive temple to the Greek god Pan. And Pan is, 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 is the god who, uh, I don't know, he was, he was, he was kind of like a dwarf. He had, uh, or like those, um, the druids. He had, the, he had legs of like a goat and he had a body of a man and he had a little flute. And he, would, he was responsible for all the scary sounds in the forest, apparently. Uh, and uh, he was also like sort of the guardian of, of the underworld of some sort. And they built his massive temple there um, because uh, there, was this, there was this cave that went down and it was full of fresh water and the water actually overflowed the cave and would often splash into fill out, fill out the Jordan River. And um, Josephus believed that, that that cave was responsible for the Jordan River. That's not necessarily true, but it's a big part of the Jordan River. And it was so deep that you couldn't see down, no, no, nobody could plumb the depth of this cave and so they called it uh, the gate to Hades or the gate to hell because they felt like it went all the way down to the center of the earth down to hell and so it's just interesting that that's the sociological sort of setting Jesus is standing somewhere near this massive temple which is also near the gate of hell um, as the people of his day would have believed that it was and it's in that setting that he turns to Peter and 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 he turns to his disciples and he says these were he says, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they answered and said, some say you're John the Baptist. Some think you're Elijah. Uh, others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Just kind of covering all the bases. <laughs> and he said to them, okay, but who do you say that I am? And that's really the most important question. Uh, it's, it's fine to think about what other people's thoughts are, but ultimately God is wondering what you think. Ultimately God is wondering what's inside of your heart. And so he says, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, me also me, stands up and answers quickly. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And that statement is, is a profound statement. Jesus goes on to unpack that. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, let me hear you say, blessed, blessed. Anyway, he says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And then verse 18 says, I also say to you that you are Peter. So this is the way our transactions with God work. 
When you get a revelation about who Jesus is, Jesus gives you a revelation about who you are. He says, who, who, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, man, blessed are you, Simon. Flesh and blood hasn't told you this. My father has told you this. My father gave you this re revelation. Now I'm going to give you a revelation. I say to you that you are Peter, which means, which is translated Petros in the original language, Petros, which means bedrock. It's the, it's the kind of rock that, that you find along the side of, of the, main, the main coastline, like where we just were. It's the kind of rock that, that, that the earth is built on. This isn't, these aren't pebbles, these aren't stones. This is, this is I, I call you Petros. And then he says, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I don't know if he was looking over at the pit when he said that, but he said the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Now, now in the Catholic Church for, for quite some time, um, they've read this passage and they have taken this passage to mean that Peter or Saint Peter is sort of special among all of the other disciples that um, uh, because Jesus says you are Peter, which means rock. And then he says, and on this rock, I will build my church. And so um, the, the Roman Catholic Church developed a theology doctrine around that statement, believing that the church was to be built on Peter. Um, that's why every pope has to be supposedly um, a direct descendant of, of old Grandpa Pete, which, 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 which is somewhat understandable. If you just read that passage and you're not that well educated, you can, you, you can sort of derive that. Well, maybe, maybe the whole thing is built on Pete. Maybe Pete's in charge. This is God's way of saying Peter is, 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 is the president of the church and whatever he says goes. But, but historically, that wasn't true. When you read the book of Acts, whatever Peter said was not necessarily what went down. Um, the, 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 the disciples, the apostles would gather together and debate things. There are many uh, texts and scriptures in the book of Acts where, where Peter thought one thing and then somebody else thought, like Paul thought something else and Peter was rebuked. And so uh, historically, in, in terms of church history, Pete was not, um, you know, in charge. Peter wasn't infallible. Um, so it really doesn't make much sense. It also doesn't make much sense theologically. I mean, why would, why would God build his church on a, on a fa fallible, fallen human? Especially Simon Peter, the me also me guy. Um, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then biblically, grammatically, it really doesn't make much sense because he says, you, uh, you are Peter, which is Petros. Um, that's the Greek word Petros. And, and then he says, and on this rock, I will build my church. And the word for rock there is the same word, but it's slightly different because um, in Greek, uh, every, every word has a gender. And so this is also true in Spanish. Every word has a gender. Um, it, it sort of helps, helps define what you're talking about. Um, and and, 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 and in, in this context, Jesus says to Peter, you are Petros, which is the masculine um, gender of the word Petra. Um, and then he says, and on this Petra, which is the feminine version of the word, I will build my church. So he's, he's, he's not saying that, that Peter is both a man and a woman at the same time. Uh, he's not trying to, trying to say that. He's saying that he's defining two different rocks, two different Petras, that Peter is, is going to be cut from the same stuff that his father had given him. 
so so the, the 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 Petra, I believe the Petra that Jesus is talking about here is not the 80s band, Christian band, even though that was a pretty good Petra. Um, but the Petra that Jesus is talking about is the revelation that Peter got from the Father. The revelation that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of the living God. That it was on that foundation, it was on that bedrock that Christ was going to build his church. That his entire church was going to be built on a revelation of who Jesus was. And when you think about it, that is the primary differentiating factor between Peter the Jew and Peter the Christian. The only thing that separated him was what he believed to be true about Jesus. The, the thing that, that set the early Christians apart from Judaism was answering the question, who is Jesus? In, in most of the things they agreed, uh, in the law of Moses and, 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 and the Ten Commandments and, and, and a lot of morality and ethical things, they, they were very similar to the Jews and still are in many ways. The primary differentiating factor of Christianity is the question is, who is Jesus? That is the bedrock that the church of Jesus is built on. It's not built on morality. And, uh, you know, Scary Church tried to build it on morality. Uh, tried to say, we are Christians because we don't wear that, and we don't um, do our hair like that, and we don't listen to that kind of music. And they tried to define Christianity in a moral, in a, in a strictly moral stance, but anytime you do that, you're, you're building on a really faulty foundation. It's not a good, it's not a good slab to build on. It's like, it's like putting a slab on the east side of 35. It's going to crack at some point. It's just, it's just going to crack. Your foundation is going to crack at some point because, because the soil just isn't good. But when you're on a, a bedrock of who Jesus is, now that's something you can build something that lasts. Because the truth is there are many other religions that are as moral, I think, or even sometimes more morally superior to Christianity. Uh, we, had, we, we, we had two brothers that came to our church for a while. They were, they were Hairi Krishnas. Um, they're a part of the, the, the Hare Krishna religion, which Krishna, Krishna is an is, is offshoot of, of Hinduism, um, where they believe that God, it, has revealed itself in various ways throughout history and, and has given us these laws to live by. And, and they were very uh, moral guys, and I loved having talks and conversations with them. The one guy had spent 10 years as a monk in India. Like 10 years, uh, he, was, he, was, he was very, he abstained from all alcohol, abstained from all uh, sexual stuff, and he, he had a lot of self-control. I mean, he could sit there and meditate for like, you know, hours, and a lot of Christians, man, like we need Netflix, and we need, you know, Hulu and stuff, and this, but this, but in terms of morality, there are a lot of religions that really offer some pretty good moral tools. In fact, if you just take the Ten Commandments from the Bible and apply them um, to several different religions, you're going to find that there are some real um, similarities there. So the main difference cannot be more moral superiority. The main difference has to be who is Jesus. And this is, this is one of the, this is the final thing that sort of just, 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 they, they, they came to that moment where they had to realize, do I believe that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is? Or was he a good teacher? Or was he a healer? Or was he a prophet of some sort? 
Or was he one of the one of the revelations, the one of the appearances of the Krishna? And uh, there are other ones. No, he is the one and only Son of God. He is the Christ, and he is equal to the Father in every way, and he is one with the Father in every way. He is God, and he, he is the Son of God. He's the only Son of God. And so that, that foundation, that revelation, that's the thing that God's building his church on. And that's the thing that you, that you have to stand on if you want to go from your me, uh, from your also me to your me. To move forward, you have to find footing in the person of Jesus Christ. You have to figure out who he is and believe what scripture says about him. And so, so Jesus says, man, this, this is the foundation and it's on this foundation. I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then he, he's, he's looking at Peter, and I believe he's looking at the entire church because he's talking about the church. And he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, this passage, I think, is so important for the me and the also me because Jesus is reiterating Peter's me. Right? He's telling him again for the second time, you are Peter. He already told him that in John chapter 1. He already gave him that revelation. But now he's given him a second revelation, and he's adding some, some information to it. And I think what he adds is so helpful for us to understand how we can take the next step into the me that God's calling us to be. He says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. There's a lot of debate about that, and the Catholic Church also uses that phrase to show that you can't get into heaven without the church, that you need the church to get into heaven. Because it's the keys, right, to the kingdom of heaven. Now he, but, but he didn't say, I'll give you access. He didn't say that it's the only way to the Father. No, he already said that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So the church is not the way to heaven. Jesus is the way to heaven. And Jesus is the only way. But he does say, I'm going to give the church, I'm going to give the body of believers, I'm going to give the family of God something uh, unique, something that you can't get at the Lions Club, something that you can't get on 6th Street. I'm going to give you something, and it's a key which keys open up doors and, and open up gates. And, and the whole purpose for this opening up is right here in the next verse. He says, and, and, and whatever, what does he say? Whatever you uh, bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Now, technically, that's, a, that's an awful translation. Um, I don't know why the New King James uses that, because in the New King James, there's a little note, like, like, like in my Bible, there's a little uh, asterisk, and when you look down at the bottom, it, it, it tells you actually what it really says. I don't know why they don't just put what it really says on the top. I don't know. But <laughs> actually, what it really says, though, and it's very similar. It's actually very similar, but the order is different. So he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. It sounds like we bind things on earth first, and then heaven follows suit, and things then are bound in heaven. That's what it sounds like, but, but in the original language, as it says down in my little notes, it actually says, whatever you bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. And now growing up um, in a, in a uh, I, I grew up initially in a word of faith church, uh, Kenneth Copeland, uh, Marilyn Hickey. I thought that was an awful last name, but yeah. <laughs> it'd be really bad if that was my name. That would just be really awkward. But it, it was, you know, we, 
we grew up, you know, with, 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 from the time I was zero till I was about nine years old, there was a huge emphasis on the word of faith. And, um, and I'm not against that. I, I think there's, there's, there's a lot of good things to be learned there. I learned how to pray in that church. I learned how to worship in that church. Um, we had the old Maranatha cassette tapes. I don't know if you remember those. We weren't allowed to listen to Petra because they were too rocky. But I got Maranatha cassette tapes, you know, with um, um, uh, We are standing on holy ground. Yeah, man, I'm all about it. Like, and so, I mean, I know all of those songs. I learned how to worship there. I learned, I, I learned about the Holy Spirit there. I learned about prayer there. But, but one, one sort of problem is that there's such a strong emphasis on what you say that you, you, get, you, you get almost scared that you're going to say the wrong thing. Somebody says, how are you feeling? It's like, well, I'm, I'm uh, you know, um, duh. <laughs> you know, you feel like you're about to vomit, but you can't say that. Because if you say that, then you'll, you'll actually vomit. But what's weird is you vomit anyway. <laughs> Even if you don't say it, you're still over the toilet. And I, and, and I, I started to figure this out when I was, I was seven years old. I was, telling, I was telling Micah this story the other day because I just introduced him to Star Wars and Star Wars was big for me as a kid. It was my favorite movie series. And I, and I, I remember I walked into a toy shop um, in, our, in our downtown and I found this big old lightsaber. I don't know if you remember the big lightsabers. This is before the day when they were safety lightsabers, you know, like they didn't extend or go out. They were just, they were just out. You know, it was just this massive beam, you know, this big old light, it was a red one. It was like Darth Vader. And I remember like, I wanted more than anything in the world to have a real lightsaber. And I've been listening to all these sermons about, you know, if you just, if you just believe it, if you just say it and really believe it, then Jesus said, you'll have whatever you ask. That's what he said, you know, and, and I can take you to the verse. And, and, and man, if you just, if you just say to that mountain, be thrown into the sea, then it'll, it'll you know, get up and walk over into the ocean. And, and so I just got to say it and believe it. And so I'm holding this lightsaber in the living room. And I, I remember I'm seven years old and I'm like, okay, so if I just say that this lightsaber is real, if I, just, if I just believe it and say it and speak it and maybe put a little prayer because I don't know that I can do this, but God can do this and God can do anything. God can raise dead people. God can turn lightsabers into real things. You know, I mean, whatever. And so I'm just there with my little lightsaber and I'm, and I'm like speaking it, I'm naming it, I'm claiming it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm believing it and receiving it, but it just, it didn't happen. And I remember I was like, huh. Because <laughs> either, either this thing is real or it's not. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't like fairy tales. I, I never believed in Santa. I don't, I don't do that. Either this works or it doesn't. And it, if it doesn't work for me, then why, why am I here? What's going on? And I'm wasting my time. And so I'm sitting there with my lightsaber in my hand. And it didn't turn into a real lightsaber. And so I was like, huh. So I, I was a little disappointed and I kind of, you know, put it down. And I, and I went to walk out of the living room and I, I crashed into the, um, <laughs> into the lamp. I bumped the lamp, which that's a really bad thing in our house. So I bumped the lamp. I was like, Ugh! and uh, then I sort of crashed into the wall. I, I, was, I was so concerned about the lamp. I crashed into the wall and I uh, dropped the lightsaber. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I pick it up. And when I picked it up, I, I had the thought, maybe that's why God doesn't want me to have a real <laughs> lightsaber. Because he knows I can't handle it. <laughs> I'd burn the house down. And I just thought, you know, it's those things are hot. You don't just walk into a wall with that stuff. I mean, you, and it just, it just, it just hit me. It hit me that maybe there's more to it than just me wanting something and saying something. Like maybe, maybe God's 
actually in control of this, and I'm not telling God what to do. I'm not trying to get him to make all my dreams come true. He's not my genie. I, I, don't, I don't just tell him what I want. Maybe there's something, because if I got what I wanted, I'd burn my parents' house down. <laughs> Sometimes I'm not ready for what I want, you know? Like, I think I am, but then I get it, and I can't, it's, it's, I can't handle it. I'm not mature enough to deal with what I want. I want the product without the process, and the process teaches you how to handle and respect the product. And so maybe, maybe, maybe God knows more than I do. And so that's why, that's why this particular order of things is really important to me, because you got to figure this out. It happens first in heaven and then on earth. We don't tell heaven what to do. Heaven tells us what we ought to, as Pastor Eddie said last week, what we ought to imitate. We ought to imitate God, not try to get God to imitate us. And so, and, and, and so this is really important. He says, whatever you bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven. And this, of course, presents a whole list of problems for me because of my background. Um, as good as it was, and I learned a lot of good things from it, honestly, there's only one way to translate this verse where I came from. You bind on earth and you loose on earth. What do you bind? When you bind demons, what do you loose? You loose angels. Because somebody out there released the demons and tied up all the angels. And you got to fix it. You know what I'm saying? Now, 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 now that's, where, that, that's where I've come. That's the only translation. Like, that's it. When Jesus says, whatever you bind on earth, he's talking about demons. And then whatever you loose on earth, he's talking about angels. And you got to loose good angels to do good stuff. And you got to tie up bad demons to stop doing bad stuff. Because somehow this whole thing got flipped upside down. But what's weird, as I was reading that this week, I'm like, Jesus doesn't mention angels anywhere. He doesn't talk about demons anywhere. Now, once again, I'm not saying that that's a bad theology. I think there's some application to that. Uh, but it's not the only application. Because specifically in the context, it's just not even there. He's not talking about uh, spiritual warfare, even though that's a real thing. He, he, he's talking about binding and loosing. And it's just weird to me that he goes from the keys to a kingdom to this statement about whatever you bind on earth will, be, will have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. Why? And so as I was studying and reading it, I, real, I found out that this, is a, this, is, this was a common saying. Jesus wasn't making stuff up. This was something that was known to their culture to say about binding on earth what has already been bound in heaven, loosing on earth what has already been loosed in heaven. Specifically, it, it, was, it was the job description of the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin was really kind of like the Supreme Court of the Jews. And so it makes sense when Jesus is talking about a kingdom mentality, when he's talking about a kingdom, that he would start talking about the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court made all the major decisions uh, in the law of the Jewish people. And the law, of course, was based in, in Moses' law in the Old Testament, in Scripture. And so the Sanhedrin was made up of a bunch of scribes and teachers of the law who ended up not liking Jesus very much, but they were the Supreme Court of the day. And their job, they said their job, they, 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 were, they were not called the Supreme Court, they were called the Sanhedrin, and they called themselves the lower court. And the higher court, they said, the Supreme Court, they would say, is the court in heaven. They said their job was to bind or condemn or put in jail those things which have been bound and condemned and put in jail. And their job is to release and to acquit 
those people and those things which have been released and acquitted in the major court. So the major court in heaven, they said, was the primary, that was the Supreme Court. And they were just a court under that court. And their job description was to bind those things on earth which have been bound in heaven and to loose those things and to release and acquit those things on earth that have been acquitted in heaven. That was their job, which is why they failed at it so miserably when they condemned Jesus. <laughs> but that was their job in the kingdom of the Jewish nation. That was their role, was to bind on earth those things that had been bound in heaven. In other words, to condemn or to lower the gavel on those things on earth that have been condemned. To evict those things on earth that have been evicted from heaven. And so that's why I do believe there's a spiritual warfare aspect to this passage because, you know, many of us, we need to evict some, some, some demonic spirits out of our home and out of our lives that have been evicted out of heaven. Sickness has been evicted out of heaven. Depression has been evicted out of heaven. Anxiety has been evicted out of heaven. And if you're going to live with it in your home, it doesn't make any sense. You need to evict what's been evicted in heaven. What's been kicked out of heaven ought to be kicked out of your home, out of your TV, out of your laptop, and out of your marriage. If it was kicked out of heaven, it just has no place in your life. And so there is an element of spiritual warfare here. Don't, don't get me wrong. There, there are demonic forces trying to wiggle their way into, into your life and you have to take a stand on what has already been accomplished in heaven and bring it to earth. And not only to convict and to, and to, and, and to remove those things, but to release things. What's, what's been released in heaven? The Spirit of God. It's been sent out into all of the earth. And it's, and it's our job on earth to release the Spirit of God into our kids. Release the Spirit of God into our church. Release the Spirit of God into our homes. Release the Spirit of God into our hearts and into our lives. It's our job to, to welcome and to beckon Him and to bring Him and to create a place that He can dwell. Because the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Satan can't be in the same house. So when you kick out one, you got to invite in the other. And that's how that works. you got to have both of those things happening. In order to have what Jesus said, may your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is quoting the job description of the Sanhedrin. When he tells Peter that whatever you bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. And what's interesting to me is that there is the, the, the subject of condemning, right, and acquitting. That's a big part of the Sanhedrin. But, but mostly what the Sanhedrin did actually throughout their days is they heard court cases of people coming in. And their job wasn't to say you're right and you're wrong. Their job was to study the scripture and see how it applies in these situations. That was their job. And, 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 it's, and, it's, and it's interesting to me because really the scripture is pretty vague about a lot of stuff. Um, even, even the Ten Commandments, right? The uh, Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. Well, that's cool. But what about war? Can we go to war? Well, okay, yeah, you can go to war because God told people to go to war. So apparently God's okay with that. But, but murder, maybe just thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not, no cold-blooded murder. Okay, but what about capital punishment? Can you execute people in Texas, somebody who's not a threat, somebody who's clearly not, I mean, he's in jail. You want to take him out of jail and execute him. Is, is, that, is that okay? And so there's all these questions around the very first command, which you think would be the easiest one. Thou shalt not kill. Don't, don't murder anybody. Okay. But, but, but what if they break in your home? 
What about manslaughter? What if you fall asleep at the wheel and accidentally take somebody? Is God going to send you to hell because you accidentally switched the medication on somebody and they, and they died? I mean, you know, like, so, so that, those are the kind of cases the Sanhedrin is listening to and they're trying to understand what did heaven mean when heaven said thou shalt not kill? How can we, because some people, some people need to be bound to the law. Because there's some people, that, they, they have an anger problem and, and they, 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 they need to know, hey, you know what? If you go, if you go, if you go this far, you, then you lose control. And then you kill somebody. And that's wrong. And so some people need to be bound to the law. Some people, they don't, they don't have internal bindings to the law. Uh, and some people say chapel, need to, you need to tighten some things up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? You just gotta, you gotta get, get a little, you're a little too loose. You've been loosed and you're just a little too loose. You're living a little too loose. Like, you know, like, 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 like these people don't even think about what God expects of their relationship. They just, they just, whatever they feel is right. That's the kind, that's, that's, that, that's their law. They don't, they don't bother reading scripture. They don't bother praying. They don't bother talking to their pastor or anybody in the church. Just whatever feels good to me, that's what I'm going to, man, that, that's, that's a little too loose. It, it's, I got I to gotta warn you, if that's the way you're living, man, it's, it's a scary place to be. You need some, you need, you need to tighten some things up. We were in the airport flying out to Maine and I, I, uh, me and Micah were together and we were getting our bags and uh, we'd just gone through security, tying our shoes and stuff. And there's this guy who walks through, he's got a t-shirt that says, only God can judge me. This big old on his, on his, on his shirt, only God can judge me. And I just had to stand there for a minute and just marvel at the kind of person that would go into a store, see that shirt, pay money for it, put it on his body and proudly wear it around. I'm like, that is a special kind of person right there. That guy, wow. Like he doesn't really, I don't, I don't think everything's working right. I mean, like either, I don't think he understands what he's talking about. Only God can judge me. I don't think he understands me or God. I think he's really confused about both of those subjects because you're actually finding comfort in the fact that God is going to judge you. You're living a little too loose, bud. I mean, I'm sorry. You need to have a little respect for, 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 I mean, because you, you, you would want me to judge you because if I judge you, I'm human. I've made mistakes. I look at your stuff. I'm like, well, I've thought about doing that. You know, I mean, I mean, I can relate to you, but God has never had a single dirty thought in his entire life. He's never sinned. And he's been around for a long time, forever, actually. He's never sinned. I mean, he's so holy, the angels that are around him that have also never sinned can't even look at him. They have to cover their faces with their wings while they cry out, holy, holy, holy. Oh, only that guy's going to judge you. <laughs> cool. You have fun with that. Like, you might want to lose the shirt, dude. Like, like, this is a serious deal. The guy, the one who is the only holy one in all of the universe is going to, you're going to stand in front of him. And he's not just going to look at your outward body. He is literally in your head. He knows what you're thinking. And not only that, he knows what you've done. And he knows what you would have done if you thought you could have got away with it. 
I can only go by off of the video surveillance, you know. You ought to want me to judge you. Because it's, it's, it's hard. You know, just watch our political system. Sometimes it's hard to stick things, you know. and get some, but, but God doesn't need a jury or a judge. He's got it all. And he lays it out. You know, I was like, man, how is this guy like so just ignorant of, of, of God and of himself that he would actually find comfort in the fact that God is going to judge him. I, I don't know. I think it's helpful to have a little bit of reverence, a little bit of respect when, when you think about the great white throne of judgment. That's kind of a big deal. But not only that, but I mean, like there's, there's also the judgment of the long arm of consequence, right? There's the judgment that happens right here and now. It's the fact, it's not just the fact that you're going to stand before God someday. It's the fact that you're teaching your kids. The value of drinking games as if there is any value in that. But you're teaching them that there is. Because they're watching you. They're, they're watching you smoke that. They're watching you listen to that. They're watching you talk about that. They're hearing you. They're right there with you. And so judgment is not just like this far off thing where you stand before God and he makes you feel bad. It's happening right here and now. You're going to have to reap the stuff that you're putting in the ground. All these seeds you're sowing, it's going to grow up on you and you're going to go, what do I do with this now? And, 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 and I mean, God can help you with that. But man, it would be a lot easier for you if you just tighten some things up right now. If you just kind of straighten some, just get, I mean, get bound to the law a little bit. And get some guardrails in your life. That's, that's what a guardrail is. It's like a foot away from the edge. Because <laughs> you don't want to try to see how far to the edge you can get. And, and this is where the Sanhedrin was there to put guardrails in people's lives to help them not go off the edge. And now the church is the Sanhedrin. Jesus says the church is going to be. I will give the church the power to bind some things. And so if you're living too loose and you feel it, you need to join the church because the church comes alongside you, not to judge you, not to condemn you, but to help you get some guardrails because, because I've been there. I know, I know where that leads. I know when that goes too far, I know what happens. And so, and so I'm human. I can tell you, you uh, it would have helped me so much if I would have had somebody to call, if I would have had a Christian brother or sister to call before I went to that website or before I called that girl or before I went to that bar, if there would have been somebody in my, anybody in my life to call me on some stuff, it would be helpful, wouldn't it? It's a good thing. It's a good, we, some of us are just too loose and, and we need some tightening up. And that's where the body of Christ is the, is the Sanhedrin. That's what scripture says. We are all priests. We are all popes. We are all bishops. We are all a kingdom of priests. We are all, it's not the pastor telling you what's right and what's wrong. We are all the kingdom of priests. And so around coffee tables and, 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 and sofas and love seats and bowling games. And in the midst of all of this relationship that's happening, what we're doing is we're tightening each each other up, binding ourselves closer to holiness. As we try to get closer to God, we're helping each other get closer to God. We're binding ourselves to this book and to his ways and to his thoughts, removing, cutting off all this other junk that's got attached to us throughout our lives and just simply tying ourselves to the scripture. And so some of us need bound a little bit. We bound to the word of God, but honestly, some of us also need loosed need released, need acquitted. Because especially in church, man, I, I've seen this so many times. People 
are in church for so long that they get so judgmental. And they're not judgmental of other people, they're judgmental of themselves. They're so critical. They have a bad thought and it just ruins their week. As if the blood of Jesus isn't enough for them. It's the, it's the, it's the, the bondage of religion. It's the bondage of I have to have a perfect behavior at all times. I have to put on my church face. I have to, I, I, I have to have it together. When people ask me how I am, I have to say I'm good. I can't say I'm struggling with anything. And it's this bondage. And, and I say to you, man, just be released to be human. Be released to not be okay all the time. Uh, be released to, 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 to be honest. Be released to be open. Be released to be vulnerable. Be released to, to be who you are created to be. Be released to have your, your personality. We were, we were talking about that this week. There's certain personalities that always rub us the wrong way. And if we're not careful, we will, we will moralize certain personalities and demoralize other personalities. Loud people, well, they're just wrong. <laughs> no, man, be released to be loud in worship. Be released to be loud as I'm preaching. Be released to be loud in your life. I'm be, be released to be opinionated. Be released to be open. Be, re be released to be who God has created you to be. There's got to be some releasing there. You can't just fit into this mold, this bonded mold of this one saint like years ago that everybody in the church thought was like most holy. No, your, your holiness is, is it's about this deal right inside of here. And, 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 and what I found is that people who are bound, man, they can't even take a compliment. You'll tell them, oh, wow, you know, man, it was great what you did or, or how you said that the other day. That really blessed me. Oh, no, no, it's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. Yeah. Really? Because it sort of looked like you. Like, Jesus got your same haircut, man. What's going on with that? I didn't know Jesus was white. How's that work out? Huh? No, it wasn't all Jesus. It was, it was Jesus working in you. It was Jesus working through you. I was, I was, I was hanging out with, with Micah the other day, and I was telling him a story. We, we're always telling stories. And I was telling him about how fast I used to be. And um, I was always, I was like one of I was I was I was the second fastest kid on any playground, and I was really good at soccer because man you couldn't outrun me. I was fast, and I was telling Mike about that, and and we've been talking about pride, and Madden and Madden and and and, and Roe had been talking, and Micah they've been talking about pride throughout the week, and so Micah you know genuinely was a little concerned. He's like, Dad, well you know don't be prideful. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and I said, I said, son, look, this is what scripture says. Scripture says, because, 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 because we get this idea in our head and this is part of our bondage. We think heaven looks like whatever. And so we try to emulate that. Heaven looks like somebody who's super mousy, super quiet, never says boo. And just always just feels like they are just the scum of the earth. You know, they're just the worst person in the room at, 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 at everything. That's what heaven looks like in our, in our bondage mindset. I said, that's not scripture. Scripture says, let every man, let no man think more highly of himself than he ought to think. So I said, so basically what the Bible says is, if you're not the second fastest guy in the room, don't say that you are. <laughs> but if you are the second fastest guy in the room, 
say that you are the second fastest guy in the room. Now give glory to God for all of your things that you can do, sing or play or preach, whatever God's gifted you, give him the glory. He enabled me, he helped me, he is the reason that I'm here, but he made me pretty darn good at X, Y, and Z. Be honest about it. Don't think more highly than you ought to think. But don't fall into the bondage of, I ought to think that I am just a, an awful sinner at all times. Right? And th these kinds of people, they love sermons that they would call straight or hard or tell it like it is. Yeah, I'm broken. I'm a sinner. I'm awful. Oh, yes, yes. Amen. Preach it, Pastor Harry. They, 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 they don't like sermons about potential. You know, you have potential. Oh, yeah, whatever. That's for other people. You know, but, but it's like, you know, tell me about how awful I am and how, what a sinner I am and, and, and how broken I am. Like, you know, share those things with me because I, I resonate with that. I believe in that. And, 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 and there's, there's a great problem when you always walk around your life saying, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, at some point, like you're not a saint and a sinner at the same time. This doesn't make sense. It doesn't even make sense to say you're a sinner saved. <laughs> saved from what? You're supposed to be saved from sin. So how are you a sinner saved from? That's like that's like you're saying that you're that you're that, that you're drowning or you're, you know like you're, like you're going underwater but you're not drowning anymore. That doesn't make any sense. Like no, if you're going underwater without any apparatus, that is the definition of drowning. Breathing water into your lungs, that is drowning. So if you're saved, the definition of saved is to be removed or saved or rescued out of the water of sin to be saved from sin. So either you are in sin or you're saved from sin. Either you are a sinner or a saint. There's nothing in between. But there's this weird false humility that says, no, no, I'm just, I'm just a sinner, just saved by grace. Oh man, like get, get out of the false humility, get real humility and say that Jesus's blood is enough for my cleansing and for my sanctification. His power is enough that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things become new. I know you're not there yet, but you're in process. Be honest about who you are. If you're a sinner, then say you're a sinner. If you're a saint, then say that you're a saint. Be honest about who you are. Don't think more highly than you ought, but don't think more lowly than you ought. You're bound by this. You need to be released from that. You need to be released. And how are we released? We're released by the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin releases us. The community of the faith, the kingdom of priests, when we come together, we're able to release each other because, because, we'll, because, because we'll, we'll have certain ways of thinking. You know, the church we grew up in couldn't listen to secular music. And so, you know, well, we can't listen to secular music. Every time we listen to secular music, I feel guilty. But when you're getting around other believers who, who sometimes occasionally listen to Drake, you know, and, and they, they just share with you a little bit of something, you know, and, 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 and you realize that it's, the secular music is not what sends you to hell. You realize that heaven is not void of all secular music. Caleb is not playing right now in the, on the throne room. I'm sorry, it's not. It's just not. And, and, and you, but, but, but if you're left to your own devices, you will naturally feel bound by the things you ought not to be bound by, and you'll be loose by the things you ought to be bound by. You'll hold the standards that fit you and fit your personality, but don't fit the word of God. And so the kingdom of priests, the church, has to come together. We have to help each other, release each other, and bind each other, release each other, and wrap our arms around each other, release each other, put some boundaries up for a brother. We have to be able to do that. And we do that through relationship. 
He said, I will build my church. I'm not going to build my silo. I'm not going to build my preacher. I'm not going to build my YouTube ministry. I will build my church. I will not build a, a, a HarryFleming.com. I will build my church. I'm building a group of people who are going to stand by each other and release each other from religious bondage junk that has just been held onto them and clinging onto them. We've got, we got bondage over what kind of clothes we can wear. We got bondage over what kind of movies we can watch. We got bondage over, over what kind of music we can listen to. We got bondage over, over, over what kind of restaurants we can eat at. We have so much. We, I, I was talking to one lady and she said that, that her church wouldn't let them go to movies movie theaters because they were afraid that there was like a demon like in the seat and if they sat in the the seat that whatever demon the person who had sat there before like like rubbed off part of the demon I guess onto the chair and it would like get on you and I'm like what like this, this, this is not like the plague. This isn't how this works. It's not like the cold. The, you know, you sneeze. You don't catch a demon from somebody sneezing on you. It's not how this works. Get your hand sanitizer out, you know, use your brain. I mean, like, I said, well, how do you go to restaurants? How do you fly in airplanes? How do you, how do you eat off of a plate that somebody just ate off of? Like, how do you go in a grocery store and push a cart that some demonic person might have touched? I mean, what are you going to do with life? Oh, it was just movie theaters. Okay, well, then I guess that's fine. <laughs> hey, you need some, and we all come from this stuff, and, and we all create it in our own head, even if we didn't come from it. We have these weird ideas and it's weird and, and it's the Sanhedrin of the faith. It's the community. It's the church that says, no, 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 this is our bedrock. That Jesus Christ is the one and only son of God and that his word is established in heaven and that our job is to bind ourselves to this as best as we can. And the best way we can is by coming together and helping each other figure out what heaven looks like. <laughs> 